0: I do find it odd that we call this an installation service, uh, it's like we're installing a, a computer program or an appliance or something. Uh, you should know I am not, uh, I'm not good at installing things. Uh, whenever I have to, uh, you, like magnetic closers for a cabinet, you would think that this would be the easiest thing in the world, uh, I have to buy two anymore because I always end up end up installing them upside down or backwards or something, and so my family, it's become kind of a comic uh, comic relief whenever I have to install something. Um, But I'm getting better, and I can recognize great creativity that people use. So I found a couple of these. uh, This is not my work, but if if your toaster's busted, you might try something like that. Uh, How about this one? if If your kitchen faucet's not working vice grips works just great. If your cabinets are falling, a car jack is perfect for that, right? Uh, If you need uh, some outlets installed, uh, I really like that one. That would come in handy. Now, that's the kitchen. Uh, For bathrooms, uh, you really need to do some good measuring uh, because that's probably not going to work, nor would getting into one, uh, you just kind (laughs) of cut that out there, Uh, You might need longer arms for this, but I'm sure it's installed very well. I don't think it meets the codes that uh, are normal. And uh, you know what? I don't even know what to say about that one right there. Uh, That's really not well designed uh, at all. So we're going to try to do better than that today. Um, uh, Hopefully this will go much better than that. Uh, I work in our district office. I said, our district superintendent, is, his name is Jeff Miller. He has served a little over a decade as the district superintendent, and he has done 75 senior pastor installations in those 10 years. Now, if you're counting, that's a lot. Think, just think about it. I said we have 85 churches in our district and our district superintendent has done eight or 75 new senior pastor installation services. Um, that's a lot. Uh, and some people say, "Well, that's so much turnover. That's not a, that can't be a good thing." And in some cases, it's not always a good thing. But in other cases, in fact, I would say in these last several years, most of the cases, God has used senior pastor transitions. <clears throat> to get the church more engaged in what he's all about. In fact, we're seeing more new senior pastors being uh, installed and leadership teams coming around and a whole churches saying, God's got something fresh for us. God has something new for us and we need to keep our eyes on him in this transition time. And so God is not wasting that at all. And I'm just glad that I get to be a part of this. And Sam's right. I got to meet him and Adeline early on as Sam was coming into the licensure program. And uh, we've gotten to meet a few times. So it's good to know someone you're installing. Uh, But again, keep in mind that our real attention needs to be on the one, our audience of one, Jesus Christ. He's the head of the church, and that's a good thing. So I've been able to do a few of these, and the Lord brought a passage of Scripture to my heart for these occasions. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn open to the book of Numbers. It's the fourth book in the Old Testament, so it's early on. Numbers chapter 11 is where we're going to eventually camp out. As you're finding that, uh, let me just give you a little bit of context to Numbers 11. Uh, Numbers is, like I said, the fourth book of the Old Testament. Actually, the first five books are actually considered one volume, written by a man named Moses. You've probably heard of him. And Numbers is part four of a five-part volume called the Pentateuch. It takes place uh, as the nation of Israel who had been in captivity, in slavery, in Egypt, they, they come out of that. God delivers them. And this Numbers continues that story of their deliverance it's called numbers because it counts the people who came out of Egypt and we count people because people count Uh, that's one good reason to count numbers because people matter souls matter to God but numbers not only tells us about the people that came out it also begins to tell us about the places that they traveled because they wandered in the wilderness for almost forty years and so it tells us of the places where they went, it tells us of the events that transpired. It it tells us the new practices that this group of people were learning how to follow God. They hadn't known how to follow God and God was giving them his laws. And so all of this is happening, but when Numbers begins, it happens really close to when they came out of Egypt, just 2 years into this 40-year journey. So it's early on, and I do want to say that Numbers is not really about leadership transition. When I got to do my first senior pastor installation service, I thought, okay, God's going to give me a good passage about transition in leadership. Say, like when Moses actually handed off leadership to Joshua. I thought maybe I'd get a, a passage in Joshua. But Numbers is not about leadership transition. But it is a book about leadership. And and your church is needing leadership um, maybe more than ever at this time. Now, Moses is clearly the leader, and he will be for 40 years. But he's beginning to prepare the way by letting God use him to expand the influence of leadership. I want to show that to you from Numbers chapter 11. So this is going to show us uh, leadership. Leading God's people is about three things. I'm going to do the first two quickly. The first thing, leading God's people drives you to God's leadership. It will drive you to God's leadership. It should drive you to God's leadership. And if you have your Bibles open, you'll kind of, if you actually look back in chapter 9, at the end of chapter 9, you see that God led his people with the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Have you heard that story? So they they knew when to move and they knew when to wait. You move into chapter 10 and you see if you have a heading there it says the silver trumpets. God actually gave the nation of Israel two silver trumpets. When one was blown all of the leaders had to come and report and when the other one was blown the whole church or the whole people, the whole assembly had to come that God was announcing something or there was a crisis And so God was leading his people with these silver trumpets. If you move into uh, chapter 10, verse 11 and following, you'll see that God actually is the one who's speaking. And verse 13 says, by God's own command, the people moved and were led. And then by the time you get to the end of chapter 10, in verse 29 to 36, you'll see the Ark of the Covenant. And you've seen some of the movies about that, but there really was something called the Ark of the Covenant. And when it moved, the people would follow behind it and God would bring victory. And they had to have God go before them or they would have been in all kinds of trouble, which they got into all kinds of trouble often. So we see that over and over, even though Moses is the leader and will be, God was ultimately the one who leads and I just want to say that on this senior pastor installation service, that ultimately Moses wasn't their leader, God was. Sam is going to be the senior pastor, is, this, is now the senior pastor of this church. But ultimately, Sam's not in charge. Pastor Richter, as good of a pastor as he was, most of the time. No, as a, really, as good of a pastor as Dan was, Dan ultimately was not the leader of this church. The elders who are faithfully trying to serve the Lord and and follow, ultimately, they are not the leaders. Are you getting my point? Who is ultimately the leader of Community Bible Church? God, specifically the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head of the body. And as the head of the body, he knows what he's doing. He knows what needs to be done. And so I just want to say to any leader in this assembly right now, your number one responsibility as a leader is to listen to the voice of God. That, is, that, is, that should be number one on any leader's job uh, description. They listen to God. They know how to follow his leading. And then I want to say to you as a church, the best thing that you can do as a church is be listening to the voice of God because if your leaders are listening to the voice of God and you are listening to the voice of God, then when the leaders begin to lead, there will be much greater confidence that we're all following the Lord together. There is a need for leaders, but the leaders and the people work best when they're listening to God together. You know, when Israel came out of Egypt, In Exodus 20, it tells us this little story, in verses 18 and 19. You don't have to look at it, but you can look at it later. They come out of Egypt, and the people see this mountain where God's presence is, and it's rattling, and if you went too close, I mean, you could die because God is holy. And the people step back, and they say, Moses, you go listen to God, and we'll listen to you, which they didn't. (laughs) But the point was, they were outsourcing their listening. This was the people of God. They had access to him, and they were yet outsourcing their leadership. They're listening to the leaders of the church, or to Moses in that case. And I'm making this point because in America, we often get this wrong in the church. Somehow we think that we elect leaders to represent us. Now that might work for democracy, and democracy is a good political system for nations, but it's not the best system for leadership in the church. We don't elect elders and hire pastors to represent our needs. Biblically speaking, elders and pastors, which are the same office, are designed and given to the church to represent God to the people. Frankly, sometimes our leaders may actually lead us to do things we don't want to do, to go places we don't want to go, to tackle problems we don't want to tackle. But that's the goal of the leader, not to represent your needs to whoever, to God or to someone else, but to represent God to you and to the people so that we do what God's saying. So pastors and elders need to listen as their number one job description The church needs to be engaged in listening to the voice of God so that when leaders lead, there's greater confidence that God is with us. Does that make sense? So leading God's people should drive us to God's leadership. Point number two, leading God's people will drive you crazy. (laughs) And I'm serious about this one. Let me just, I'm going to go off a little bit here. I was a pastor Uh, and and, and Moses had to lead his people, we're not going to look at all of these passages, but in chapter 11 of Numbers, the first three verses, you'll find the people complaining, and God gets frustrated with them, and Moses intercedes on their behalf, and you think, Moses is a good leader. He knows how to, you know, carry through the hardships of people. Verse (laughs) 4... all the way up through verse 15, the people start complaining again. Again, Moses gets frustrated, throws up his hands, and God speaks, God intervenes, God steps in. So this back and forth happens all the time with God's people. If you look over at chapter 12, Moses' fellow leaders, his brother and his sister start complaining about him. (laughs) So you don't even get away from it when you go home. When you get to chapter 13, Uh, God sends 12 spies to spy out the promised land. They've left Egypt. Where are they supposed to go? They're supposed to go to the promised land, the very land that God said, this is for you. They send 12 people in. just as, as crazy as well, thank you very much. One day, pastors can be the most spiritually mature people. The next day, we're having a temper tantrum at a board meeting. One day, we are filled with faith and confidence that God's got this. The next day, we're curled up in the fetal position under our desk, you know? One day, it's, I will follow you, Lord, no matter what. The next day, you're checking monster.com, looking for a mechanic's job or something go to installation of appliances, I don't know what it is. But listen, the, the good news is that God knows this about us. He, God's never surprised when we go, when we go astray. And He doesn't like it, He's disappointed, He's grieved. In fact, throughout the book of Numbers, God actually gets frustrated. He gets, he gets angry with His people, and I think He does it because He cares. We, we don't usually get angry or frustrated about something that we don't care about god god cares he cared about moses he cared about the people he cares about the church and i just want to say that if god is ultimately the leader which he is you can navigate the craziness of being a part of god's family because leading god's people can drive you a little crazy at times because it doesn 't always work out things don 't work out the way we think they should we 're the, the church for heaven 's sake. it should be easy here and so I just want to say to you on uh, on sam 's behalf i 'll start with him is that don 't expect Sam to be perfect, but for heaven 's sake do not do not expect him to get everything right or, or adeline as well don 't don't expect the rest of your staff team to get everything right. Don't expect your elders to have everything nailed down perfectly. It just, it just doesn't work like that. But what you can do is this. You can be faithful. Faithful to God. Persevere as the people of God. And you must be forgiving and forbearing as a congregation. That comes from the fruit of the Spirit, you know, the the ability to have love and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness. That's a fruit of the Spirit, and it enables the church, it enables the people of God to be faithful to Him and forgiving and forbearing with one another. And that's how God begins to, to advance His kingdom because the world doesn't understand that. So that's just to start, and I'll, I'll, I'll close now with this main point, and we're actually going to read the Scripture now in chapter 11. Because leading God's people will drive you to God's leadership. It will drive you crazy, but ultimately, and this is the main point, it drives you to dependence on the Holy Spirit, this dynamic interaction we have with God. So follow with me chapter 11 of Numbers, starting at verse 16. I'll give you 4 uh, subpoints here. The first, from verses 16 and 17, the Lord said to Moses, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take of the spirit that is on you and put the spirit on them and they will help you carry the burden of the people so that you will not have to carry it alone. Here's the plan. God has a plan, and that plan is for shared leadership and shared spirit empowerment. God doesn't look for one person. As great as Moses was, he was saying, you're not enough. I want to put my, your, the spirit I have on you, I want to put it on them. The pronouns switch from all of this you, Moses, to them Elders to them, the 70 leaders of all the tribes of Israel. God planned for shared leadership and shared a shared spirit. This is huge. I mean, as far as leadership goes, Moses is at the top of the list biblically. I mean, even in the gospels, Jesus is sometimes compared to Moses. So Moses being the leader is huge. And for God to shift the pronouns from one to many from the singular to the plural. That's an enormous change. Moses was the leader, but not the only leader. God plans for them and for you all, God plans for you all to be anointed, to be empowered, and to be commissioned. Not just Sam. Sam begins to be at the tip of the spear, but this is all of us. So that's the plan. There inevitably comes a problem. Look with me at verse 18. God speaking still. Tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when when you will eat meat. The Lord heard you when you wailed if we only had meat to eat. We were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. You will not eat it for just one day or two days or five, 10 or 20 days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils, and you loathe it, because you have rejected the Lord who was among you, and have wailed before him, saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? Keep going. But Moses said, here I am among 600,000 men on foot, and you say I will give them meat to eat for a whole month? Would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish of the sea were caught for them? And then look at verse 23, and the Lord answered Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? You will now see whether or not what I say will come true for you. We, we encounter a problem here. Now, we're kind of entering mid part of the story, but some of you who know the story know what's happening. The people were wandering in the desert. They had had nothing but little pieces of bread. Now, it was sufficient, but they were getting a little bored with bread and they wanted meat. So they start crying out, we don't have meat. So what is the problem? Well, from the people's perspective, the problem is that we don't have meat. Their bellies were crying out for some other kind of food. They wanted more. But that's not Moses' problem. Moses' problem is, you pick this up uh, in, in verses 21 and 22. Moses says, what am I supposed to do with this? we got 600,000 men. Many believe, I'm one of them, that that's just the men. You double that and maybe triple that, including wives and children. You might have close to 2 million people in the desert who don't have food to eat, at least meat. And Moses is going, what am I supposed to do with it? See, Moses' problem wasn't a meat problem. Moses' problem was a leadership problem. He knew he didn't have what it took to lead these people in this way. That was his problem. But when you read verse 23, you realize that God's perspective on the problem is not meat or Moses' inability, it's the fact that they're not coming to him because he does have everything they need. He's got great ability to meet his own standards and to do his own bidding. Is my arm too short? You don't think I can do this? So the the real problem is that the people had lost confidence in God's ability and in God's magnificence, and in God's ability to provide for his people. If I were to just take a moment and ask you, Community Bible, what would you say your problems are today? Maybe your problems individually, your problems as families, your problems as a church. Would they match up with God's perspective on what he's trying to do? So that's the plan. There's a problem introduced. Now, let's look at the provision. Verse 24. So Moses went out, and he told the people what the Lord had said, and he brought together... Remember what the plan is. The plan is for God to give the spirit of Moses over to the elders, right? So he said, "He he brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him, and he took the spirit that was on him and put the spirit on the 70 elders. And when the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did not do so again. Hold on to that thought. Verse 26, however, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad had remained in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but did not go out to the tent. Yet the spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, son of Nun, who had been with, been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, stop them. Now, just stop there for a moment. Here's where the plan actually comes together. God originally said he was going to, do, we get distracted on meat for a little bit, didn't we? The plan was for shared leadership and a shared spirit. And here's where the plan comes together. Now, look at back again at verse 24. What did the 70 elders do for the Spirit to come on them? Not much, right? Like, like they showed up and they stood there. That's been, and, and two of them didn't even show up, for heaven's sakes. Now, what did God do in verse 25? Beginning. The Lord comes down. The Lord does the heavy lifting of giving the spirit that was on Moses. That's big spirit stuff. The spirit that was on Moses, God does the heavy lifting and places it on the seventy elders. I want you to hear this. God always does the heavy lifting. He always does the heavy lifting. We need to respond, we need to show up, we need to stand. But it is God who does the heavy lifting. And what do the elders do at the end of verse 25? Do they go out and kill a bunch of uh, cattle and deer so the people can eat? Do they go to the Red Sea and do some fishing to bring meat in for the camp? No. What do they do? They start prophesying. Now, if you're the people and you're going, God has showed up. Where's our meat? (laughs) There's a problem there. Didn't it seem, wouldn't it have seemed to the people as if God didn't meet their needs? But we have to get the right problem in view. So I want you to hear that the plan is that God wants in transition and in leadership, God wants to give his spirit to many. When God, listen, hear this one. When God gives his spirit to his people, it's not necessarily to solve their problems. It's meant to show us how sufficient and how great and how awesome and all of God's abilities. It's meant to lift us up to God and uh, restore our confidence in him. That was their problem. They had lost confidence in God. And churches, that happens to us all the time as well. We forget about our audience of one. We start to make it about us. So when God gives his spirit, it's not always for the problem, but it's always for the people. Earlier I said that the number one job description of your leaders is that they listen to the voice of God. The second thing that should be on their job description is that they are filled with God's spirit. You do not want even good leaders who are not filled with God's Spirit. Those are the first two on the job description. So if you want to rewrite anything, you can do that from, from Scripture confidently. Listen and be filled. Problems come and go, but we solve problems only to face new problems. Actually, when I was a pastor, we thought we solved problems and then we had to solve them again because they just kept coming right back. It was like we were on this hamster wheel of problem solving. Sometimes God gives problems to lead us somewhere else, to lead us somewhere new. Pastoral transition can be a crisis. It can feel unsettling. God provides these times to drive us closer to him. So the plan was for shared leadership. The problem was that they couldn't fully discern what the problems were. So God comes back and provides the answer that he originally set, which gives us then one last thing for us, the promise. There's a promise here at the end of this passage in verse 29. He replies to Joshua, who says, you know, stop these guys. And Moses says, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put His Spirit on all of the people. Those 70 elders got the spirit that was on Moses, but it was just for a time. They only did this once. It didn't keep going. You and I should know the rest of the story, that by the time you get to the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2 in particular, the Holy Spirit comes on all of God's people. And we are now living in the day of promise. So on a senior pastor installation day, I say to you, church, have greater confidence in God than ever before. Begin to dream more colorfully than you ever have. Begin to trust him more deeply than you ever have. Don't put all of your... Uh, expectations on Sam and Adeline. For heaven's sakes, that's not God's plan. God's plan is to take this moment and this time to raise up and identify and commission one leader to say God has great plans for Community Bible Church. Now that I'm in our district office, I get to look back a little bit and I get to see this whole Mansfield area. God is doing some significant things in this area just through the Alliance, just through our movement, let alone others. God's got greater things in store for you. And on this day, though, we do want to commission Sam, because he's been raised up for such a time as this, to be the, the tip of the spear leader. And so I'd like to have Sam and Adeline come up, and I, I, your families, would you come up and, and join us as well? And if our elders and the uh, elders' wives would also come, we want to spend a little time in prayer, uh, over Sam and Adeline, uh, yeah, come right here to the middle, and uh, so we can get around you. <clears throat> God's leadership is for during the crazy. Uh, it's for these uh, times that don't make sense. Uh, it always leads us to God's leadership, and together with these folks around you, it'll be through the power of the Holy Spirit. Before we pray, I do want to just hand this to you, Sam, as a uh, just a reminder, this is just a simple clay pitcher, and maybe it refers to the third point on a job description is to be a servant, a servant leader. Jesus took a pitcher, a basin, filled it with water and washed his disciples' feet, and so uh, may this be a reminder to you to be a servant and to wash the feet of those that you serve. So. Um, a couple from Community Bible are going to pray one for Sam and then one for their family and then I'll close and praying for you and commissioning you as a church would you stand though during this time and um, sometimes churches feel a a little bit closer if they can just kind of just stretch out a hand symbolically as if you're standing here with us and reach out a hand if you feel so led and let's lay hands on these two and Phil if you'd start
1: thanks guys Lord Jesus, we, uh, we come to you humbled, uh, that we can fall in behind you and follow your leadership. Lord, I, I lift up uh, my brother Sam uh, today to you, uh, Lord, commissioning him not just uh, as a leader here, but Lord, sending him into battle. And Lord, we know that there's a spiritual battle ahead. Uh, Dennis mentioned what's going on in Mansfield. Lord, that we are seeing victory not just within the Alliance, but with other churches that are moving alongside of us. Lord, when that comes, we know that a spiritual battle will follow. Lord, we know that this will not be easy, but that's not why we follow, Lord. We follow you because of who you are. And I know that that's Sam's heart, and I'd lift him up, that you will just continue to give him discernment, patience, perseverance. Lord, I thank you for his heart uh, and how he has been called to us so clearly. Lord, for the, uh, the people that are here with us, Lord, we, we all want to come alongside Sam. Uh, this is not Sam's church. This is the church of Jesus Christ. and We give him all the glory for what he will be doing through Sam, through the other leaders that lead with Sam, from all of us, Lord. We pray these things in your name. God, I just want to start by thanking you for answered prayers and for leading Sam and Addie to Community Bible Church. We thank you for all of our church leadership and just for always providing for us. God, I'd just like to take this time to lift Addie up to you and just thank you for her. I thank you for her obedience, for her friendship, and for her love for you, God. I pray for strength and wisdom for Addie as she supports Sam in his new role as lead pastor. I pray for her continued personal growth and just for guidance in her walk with you, God. I also pray for discernment and understanding in ways she can impact Community Bible Church and the surrounding community. I pray this in Jesus' name.
0: And so, Lord, on this time, on this wonderful occasion, this wonderful time of transition, as we have prayed for your spirit uh, to come upon Sam and the leaders and we pray that you would come on the whole church. Uh, you fill us as we know you in salvation, but then you anoint us with special uh, blessings and special power and special giftings to have your way. And I pray uh, that as we've prayed, as we have prayed for Sam and Adam, I pray for this this whole church. Do a new thing, Lord Jesus. Reveal yourself, and may this church, become a church that learns to listen to you and be filled by you, to be used by you for your glory, to advance the kingdom of God, a kingdom that is unshakable and unstoppable, a kingdom that is uh, for all people, the poor, the needy, the weak, as well as the great, the rich, and the strong. Lord, thank you that you give us even footing at the foot of the cross. And I pray, even now, if there's anyone here that really doesn't know what it means to have a relationship with you, that you would be whispering to their spirit, their heart. May they open up their ears to hear. And uh, Lord, send us from this place eventually today to go do your will, not just here in this building, but throughout Mansfield and throughout this county. We love you and we thank you for this time for provision And for honoring and glorifying yourself, we join in that. Thank you that we live in the day of promise. We will not take that for granted. In Jesus' name we pray.